Hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis. I'm here with this guy over here. Yep, I'm Ron. There you go. I'm the dad. (laughs) And we are joined by two other... We have a family here and a family there. Uh, We have our friends Josh and Tommy Doyle. Hello, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having us on. You bet. Uh, You are from uh, Uncharted Ministries and Uncharted Adventures. You... Uh, are a couple guys that somewhere along the road fell in love with Israel. How did that all start? Man, that's a great question. So we had been going, hearing about Israel from my dad for a number of years because he went on a Bible tour with some pastors, and he just said, you guys got to get there, got to get there. So when we were old enough, each one of us, who come from a family of six, uh, it was, I think when we were 12 years old, you get to go to Israel. So that was our big thing to look forward to. And when I hit 12, I went to Israel, and um, I didn't really enjoy it. I was too young. I just was like, this is... It's a lot of rocks. A lot of, yeah, a lot of rocks. Oh, cool, look at that rock over there. It looks like the other rocks they're pointing out. But um, it was in my blood. I mean, I always loved it. Tommy and I had started going uh, and bringing young adults there to do some more adventures, hiking, backpacking, going down to sleep out with the under the stars with the Bedouins. So now we... Uh, can't wait to get back every time after we leave from Israel. We love it. And yeah, you know, we Matt, we we grew up in Colorado, so we've always had a heart for the outdoors and just being outside. Love God's creation and just get, you know, getting to revel in it. So we had read a Backpacker magazine article and it was talking about you've got to check out the Jesus Trail. And and Josh actually is the one that found this article. He showed it to me, but we immediately jumped on it. We're like, this would be incredible. And basically it's starting from Nazareth, hiking all the way to Galilee. And it's a 40 mile, three day hike. And we thought, let's check it out. This would be, this would be awesome. Sure enough, the hike was awesome. Our first time scouting it, incredible, got lost a few times, but um, that turned into, you know, that was kind of the backbone of us bringing mission teams out to Israel and kind of the whole purpose of that bringing mission teams out there was to spend time with the people of the land. And that's, that's all the people, um, you know, uh, the Jewish people, the Bedouins, you know, the Arabs, the Palestinians, and just spend time with them. And, uh, so this kind of started it off for us. I, I believe this was almost 11 years ago. Um, that we would take teams and we would hike, you know, they'd land and uh, we'd hike the Jesus trail. And then after that, you know, the bonding experience from hiking 40 miles in three days jet lagged is pretty unique. So uh, everybody gets, get, gets along great. And then that just kind of, you know, spurred on our love for the land. We, we would spend time in the West bank um, doing uh, you know, optical or medical clinics just as a way to reach out, to the the Palestinians there, and and then we would go spend time with Holocaust survivors in Jerusalem. Have a, a big event we'd put on for them, um, and then finally these trips we'd cap it off with a night under the stars, like Josh said, camping with the Bedouins, and you know in the middle of nowhere, like nomadic people group, one of the coolest things. Um, so this really started our love for Israel, just getting there, being on the ground with the people. Um, so yeah, since then we've been going annually at least a few times. 
We, we got to talk to your dad, Tom Doyle, uh, on an earlier podcast right after everything took place on October 7th. Um, and interesting, so you, you guys have this ministry to the Middle East, uh, Uncharted Ministries, and you're reaching out not only to the Jewish people, but to the Arabs. And, and we got to hear a few stories of what's going on there. Uh, we were going to be joining you for uh, taking our tour, which was October 8th, which was unbelievable, the timing of all of that. We remember that Saturday morning when everybody who was on our tour was now texting us and calling us saying, what's going on? And we thought, well, maybe this is something that's going to blow over. And obviously we knew very quickly that this was not one of those situations. Um, and so that, that got derailed and obviously everything in, in the tourism, uh, piece for Israel has, has suddenly changed. Um, but you guys have, uh, gone over there recently um, and really the world has changed since October 7th. Um, what was some of the experiences? What, what is the tone as people who've been there before October 7th and since October 7th, um, what's changed in the people, what's changed in the tone and just the overall spirit of Israel? Yeah. So we've been there a number of times, um, probably been close to 30 times to Israel. And so when we went after October 7th, I mean, it just, completely different country. Um, but at the same time, they carried on as normal. And in some of the, you know, major cities, it felt like it always has when we've gone to, to Jerusalem or to Tel Aviv, it felt like it was, it didn't feel like there was a war going on down south. Um, but the tone shifted. Everyone, uh, all the Jewish people that we met, we came across, were so thankful that we were coming over and standing with them and supporting them. And um, so that changed completely. I mean, I think every trip I'd been on before that, I felt like I was a nuisance going to the wall. You know, it's like, excuse me, you know, uh, getting out of the Jewish people's way. Like, it just felt like, you know, oh, more Americans tourists. coming over. Right. Yeah, tourists. And it's shifted completely. They are welcoming us with open arms. There are people stopping in the street, coming up and hugging us, kissing their hands, saying, thank you for coming. And um, grown grown men crying in the street saying, thanks for coming. So. The Jewish people, we felt, are hurting, and they felt humbled and <clears throat> just so thankful that people were coming to, to stand with them. And so we feel like this is a time to go, to go and to love on them. Yeah. I'm wondering, how, how is the spirit amongst the IDF, uh, if, uh, if you have contact uh, with any of them or how it is? Because, you know, we're, we're getting reports, like, for example, Israel Today, uh, just uh, recently reported that, uh, you know, about 36% of the IDF, uh, they're not sure what the end game is going to be. And uh, so it, what is it like uh, amongst those people that you're able to have contact with? Yeah, you know, troop morale, thankfully, when we were there, uh, middle to end of December, was very high. They took this serious. They took this personal. Every single one of them has somebody in their lives that was directly affected by the massacre. Um, so they, you know, may have frustrations with leadership and, and, you know, knowing what that end game is, but they know that their task, their, their one task that's in front of them right now is eradicating Hamas. And they're doing that any means necessary. And the, the soldiers that we got to spend time with, most of these um, 
soldiers are our friends, colleagues, ministry partners that, you know, on October 7th were called up in into the reserves and they they're fathers, they're mothers, they have kids, you know, they have young families and stuff, but the patriotism there is is very strong and it yep. was it was great to see that they took that call and they were proud to do their duty for their country. Um, so I agree. Yeah. It's, it's a tough question. Like what's going to happen with Gaza after this, if they root out Hamas completely, like how is it going to be governed and how is it, how are they going to, you know, make sure that the same thing doesn't happen again? That's, you know, there's a lot of big questions there, but I'm hoping that from what we've seen, I'm hoping that they're focused on their first task and that's, you know, getting rid of Hamas. So, yeah, yeah. there, there's even amongst the, that, that group, it, it seems like, and I don't know what, uh, what, what you're sensing from this, but, uh, even as things keep heating up in the North with Hezbollah, that they want to eradicate that, uh, threat as well. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that? And so there, we've been talking to our partners in Israel and they believe that there will be some sort of escalation, whether it's some flare-ups from time to time, or if they do try to push Hezbollah further north, that's still on the table. Um, you know, they do believe that something will happen, and um, that could prolong this conflict, of course, and, you know, tourism and impacting everything uh, for the state of Israel. But it does look like if you talk to, you know, if Tommy and I talk to my, our friends that are serving currently, they do believe that there will be some sort of operation up there. Uh, I mean, there's, of course, stuff going on currently, but anything like a ground invasion or some larger flare-ups, they think there will be something that will happen. It's been interesting, too. Even uh, one of our friends, he was a a tour guide of ours, and one of the things I – he, he reached out to me on October 8th as he was reporting for service, right? So these are these are friends who are running ministries over there. All of a sudden, like, oh, I, I forgot that you're in the reserves. The reserves felt like this thing that you do, you know, once a month. You show up and you get your training. You don't realize 300 plus thousand of them are going and they are abandoning their normal life and their normal jobs and their families to like now they're on the front lines within hours um, but I just, I, I remember talking to him and I just said, how, how can we pray? And he said, pray that we are able to finish the job. He said this on October 8th, pray that we're able to finish the job before the world stops us. And what foresight, what, you know, just yeah. insight to even see that on October 8th, when we were all thinking the world compassion should in a reasonable world be pointed towards Israel and my, how things have changed. Um, to that end, I'm just curious, because you guys have done so much work um, amongst Arab communities, specifically in Gaza and Bethlehem and the West Bank and, and beyond, um, you know, we, we, we've talked about, you know, we, we want to point all of the, the war effort towards Hamas and not the people of uh, Gaza. But what we've also seen is that there is a large population of the Palestinians, the normal civilians in Gaza, that on October 7th were cheering on Hamas. Um, oh, yeah. Is that the the situation amongst all of the people? Who do you know that is saying something different amongst the Palestinians? So sadly, you know, that that is, you see those statistics on polls they've taken in um, in Gaza and in the West Bank, like, what is your perception of Hamas? Was the attack justified? 
um, overwhelmingly, a lot of them have supported it. Now, there is, you also got to think that the psychological factor that some of them may believe that if they say anything otherwise, they could be killed. <clears throat> mm -hmm. You know, so that is a real possibility. Um, but I would say that, <clears throat> yes, there is still strong support for Hamas. And, and sadly, as, as you are well aware, I think it, it stems at such a young, young age. Like it's taught in how they count and learn math is how to, you know, hurt or shoot Jewish people. Like it's the whole way they're brought up in, in places like Gaza is, you know, aimed at hating Jewish people. So sadly that a lot of that is ingrained, ingrained. in, in a large part of the population, the people we know, some believers, some not, um, we know many that are Arab Israeli and then those that are Palestinian and a mixture of Christian and, and Muslim and a vast majority of them are, you know, just sickened and heartbroken by what happened on the seventh. Um, you, that, that smaller percentage of the people we know, non-believers, um, do have expressed, you know, frustration and anger and kind of <coughs> that narrative that, well, hey, it, you know, there was some animosity before this happened. Um, it's it's difficult because countries surrounding Israel, you know, Jordan, Egypt, these other countries that have big populations of Palestinians, they kind of have their news coming from one source, you know. So they're they're getting their source that is already leaning anti-Israeli, anti-Jewish. So it's tough because, you know, what do you do when the only news they're getting there is is this tainted, you know, reality that's not happening? Um, so it's a, it's a difficult thing. But we have many friends and partners that truly know that it, it was evil, like demonic stuff that happened on the seventh. Um, they did not. It's just hard them. to reconcile that. That yeah, go ahead, Josh. Oh, so yeah, and they did not support that, you know, and. You've got a guy who I think of right now who just, he was praying for Israel. He saw a lady, uh, an Israeli, paraded through the streets, and he said what they did was so wrong. And while while um, she was getting paraded through the streets, he was crying. He was watching this going, why are people, like, this is sick. They're cheering, you know, grown men are, like, crying that they have an Israeli, and they're marching her through the streets, and who knows what is going to happen to her. I think we all know what's going to happen to her, but... You know, so yes, there is some sympathizers, and this man in particular prays for Israel, and he's, uh, you know, a Palestinian. He's in Gaza currently. Uh, he's up on the Egyptian border and just trying to figure out what's my next steps. It's very sad because no one wants to take them in, and so yes, there are some innocent bystanders. Let me let me ask you a question. Going going back to kind of the Jewish aspect of uh, of these things, um, you know, I've spent decades reaching the Jewish uh, community and Jewish people. And uh, that's what our ministry here is. A uh, large part of it is to reach the Jewish people with the, with the gospel and uh, equip the church at the same time to, in the roots of the faith to be able to, uh, you know, equip them to share uh, Jesus in a way that makes sense to Jews. 
Um, In light of all of these things that have taken place, I know how difficult it is. I used to go to New York City every year and, uh, you know, engage the Jewish community there with the gospel, with their Messiah, Yeshua, and it was tough. Um, What are you finding over there in the land in light of the things that have happened October 7th amongst the Jewish people, because the things that we're hearing is that a lot of them are coming back to God from a secular population, coming back to God, not necessarily the Messiah yet, but coming to Judaism, coming back to the God of Abraham. What are you seeing? Are you seeing any of that? That's a great, great question. And Yes, uh, as you said, a majority of the population there is um, secular, you know, atheist, agnostic, just don't believe in God. But we have seen a resurgence of, you know, young, especially young people, those in the IDF um, reserve is called up. And then people that have, you know, survived some of these massacres, you know, questioning like prophetic things, like uh, things that have been written in the Bible and the Torah, they're, they're questioning this as people that, you know, wanted nothing to do with it, um, before the attack. Um, and so that is big to even see that they would be talking about that stuff and bringing that up is humongous, uh, especially for the younger generation, which like the younger generation, I'm sure as, as y'all are aware, are mostly vast majority secular, you know, they're, um, like Jewish by blood and maybe tradition with some of the holidays they celebrate, but not um, active. So, yeah, it, it's it's reassuring. It's exciting. Yeah. I'll jump in there, too. So great question. I don't think we should take for granted how open the Jewish people are right now. I mean, they were open, raw. I mean, they just I've never seen this humility, this side to them. Um, while we were there, I mean, it, like our stewardess on our, on El Al getting in to Israel, she um, would be so open about her son that's currently fighting in Gaza or a family member that was lost. And, and we weren't going around asking, hey, can we lay hands on you and pray? None of that stuff. But we were they were wanting us to pray. Can you they anybody and everyone that we came across was affected by this? Israel's not the same um, because they're so you know, humbled by what happened. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's an openness there. And uh, we felt it all over the country like we've never felt before. You you had a chance to go into the Gaza envelope uh, along the border of Gaza just outside, and you got to see the devastation firsthand. Um, tell me about what, what was that like going in, the drive-in, going from normal Israel to, you know, the kibbutzim that are this looks like a really beautiful, wonderful place to live to now crossing the line into seeing these communities surrounding the border uh, and the devastation that you saw. Well, I mean, it was it was surreal uh, to say the least. You know, you can you can watch stuff on on the news or on your phone, you know, and 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 realize that it's brutal. But being there is completely different. Um, we we left from Jerusalem where. Um, as Josh had said, life was going on as normal, it seemed, like maybe a few more uh, civilians that are armed, you know, um, understandably. But going down to that Gaza envelope was something else. We all had on our phones this Red Alert app that 
um, notifies you if there's incoming rockets from Gaza. And as we're going down, um, it's just getting heavier and heavier. Um, the feeling we pass by as we're getting close to Gaza. <clears throat> First, we, we see in the distance the smoke billowing um, from rocket, fresh rocket launches from Gaza. As we get closer, we see, uh, you know, the Israelis' response to those launches, and it seems they were effective as they hit like an ammunition ammunition depot, big, you know, billowing smoke cloud. So it's it was getting intense. We drove past this uh, basically wrecking yard where they dragged all the vehicles from the Nova Music Festival and all of these charred, shot up cars that people had lost their lives in and tried escaping in. You know, mm-hmm. going by that is. It was heavy, and then we get close to um, the the actual um, what they designated as the uh, IDF combat zone. Yeah. So yeah. from that point forward, you needed to have a uh, uh, an escort, and in our case, we had an armed EMT escort. That once we passed that checkpoint. They outfitted us in, in, you know, bulletproof vests and helmets. And so it it really sunk in as the rockets are coming over. The IDF is responding back. And meanwhile, the birds are still chirping. Like, it's gorgeous out. Like, there's crops ready to be harvested. If you didn't hear all these noises of war, it, it would seem normal. But, yeah, it was something else to get to witness what happened on this kibbutz. Um, called Kfaraza on the border of, of Gaza. The the mayor herself is the one that walked us through. And I mean, of, of my 30 times to Israel, without a doubt, this is one I will never forget. Um, the, the things we saw, the stories we heard, you know, still the smell that hung around. And this was over, uh, you know, almost two months later. Like it... It was very difficult, but at the same time, seeing all this, hearing it, you know, firsthand from a survivor who lost family, friends, you know, loved ones there and and not in, a, in quick deaths either. You know, it was sad, horrible situation. Yeah. You know, there was no way that that any of us could leave the same person and not go back without doing something about it, telling our friends, telling our family, getting the message out what really happened, uh, you know, that a lot of people are trying to dismiss online. Um, but it was powerful. It was heartbreaking. And, you know, it, it kind of the response, you know, meeting with some of the troops that we met with that we were fortunate to spend time with in different areas, it, it had that kind of that patriotic you know, not defiance isn't the word, but, you know, almost like the Masada thing. Where they, yeah. you know, even though the worst thing happened to them since the formation of the country um, and the Holocaust, like they're ready to fight back. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. People left their homes without getting clear commands to go down, uh, down there and help, knowing that they're facing, you know, armed terrorists with rifles and bulletproof vests. All they had was a pistol countless people did that to go and and do what was right so yeah it was it was uh yeah it left me speechless there um you know the feeling of the ground shaking every time the artillery would go off 
on both sides of us. And then above us, Apache helicopters firing in supporting troops that had run into trouble. And like it was it was very real. And that that consequences of that day we were watching unfold in front of us in Gaza. Um, So, Josh, how about you? It was intense. I mean, like you said, Matt, you know, you're walking through. It's this ideal place to live as I mean, I was walking through going man, I've got three young boys. This would be awesome for them to grow up here. Like you have everything here. And it looked like such a beautiful place to live. The pe- the people were super incredible, very hospitable. But as Tommy was saying, the, the mayor that brought us through, you know, you start at the beginning where it wasn't too inf- affected by Hamas. But once you make your way back to the, into the kibbutz, I mean, you just see the massacre that took place and the stories. I mean, every single room, uh, this one, this guy jumped on a grenade to save his wife. This one, you know, she was texting for help. I hear a man in Arabic. And then the next text she sends out, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And she's 18 years old, you mm-hmm. know? And so these stories you're hearing in real time, it just, like Tommy said, you can't be the same person after witnessing that. One thing I'll never forget was we smelled something. This was like Tommy said, almost two months afterwards, we smelled something and we didn't know what it was. All the bodies had been cleared, but I think there are some body parts that were left somewhere and we could certainly smell it. Mm. And the uh, mayor, the lady who who lives there, she picked up on it as well and had to tell someone to maybe go take a look at that area. So, I mean, it's just like Tommy said, you can't be the same after seeing something like that. As we look at uh, the, the future and what's to come, um, one of the things that we've been talking with you about is um, putting together a, a trip to come out there and, and bring some people. But this trip is much different um, <laughs> than the trip that we, we had planned for October 8th. We were going to be taking another one in April that was going to, you know, let's go enjoy and float on the Dead Sea and have a lot of fun riding camels. And uh, it, everything's changed and it's different. But we're, we're talking about um, going there to stand in solidarity with the Jewish people, to be able to serve the Jewish people. Um, why, why is this necessary? Why? I mean, you guys are dads to young people. Uh, you, you are family men, you have wives that you love and they probably love you as, as well. And so, um, you're going back next month. You're going back the month after we're talking about, let, let's go maybe in April. Um, why is this, um, for the Christian in America listening? Why is this a good time? Why should we go? Yeah, I mean, as we were mentioning earlier, we Tommy and I had both been there around 30 times, and this was by far the most impactful time we've ever been. The Jewish people are open, and they need support. They need the love. We They feel like the U.S. has turned their back. They see the videos of marches going on throughout the world, marches going on in campuses here in the U.S. <clears throat> and so they do think that uh, nobody's standing with them. So what's a better way to go? Show them your love by showing up and putting your boots on the ground. And I think it is the time to go. I think it's the time to show the love to them, to uh, just go in. Hey, even just to hug them and say hi to them. You don't have to go in and try to save the world, but just to go and show up. One of the mayors we met with, he says, your presence here is enough. That to us is enough. And so my message to people is now is the time to go. If you really love the Jewish people, you love Israel, and you've wanted to go for you, this is the time to go. That's good. Yeah, you can't just stand with with the Jewish people and the people of Israel during the good times. Like (laughs) true friends and real characters developed when times are tough. And 
and it's difficult and there is a, a hint of danger, you know, um, there's that, that just proves your, um, your love for them and your care for them is by going in a time that isn't, isn't, you know, necessarily the best time it's, you know, there's, there's things going on and it's, um, you know, there's an active conflict going on. Um, but you know, on the other hand, it's like, you can't go there on a normal Bible tour and like have a great time celebrating and seeing these, these sites while the, the Jewish people are suffering and fighting. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like, how powerful would it be to go there and stand with them in their time of need um, in one of the most, you know, uh, one of the worst things to happen to them since the Holocaust, how powerful is that to go and show up in person, love on them, stand with them and, you know, support them. So, yeah, we want to be watchmen on the wall along, uh, along with them. That's right. Absolutely. For them. Well, um, to that end, what, what we'd like to just say for those of you who are listening, uh, if, if after listening to this, you still have um, that call and that pull, and certainly something to pray about. Uh, but if you still want to go to Israel after hearing all of this, um, then join us and uh, get your name on a list. We're collecting a, a, just a special email list for those. This is not for everybody. Um, the, the chances of you hearing uh, an air raid siren, uh, the rockets are going off, are incredibly high. This is not like your normal, let's let's go to the gas station and ride the camel and, and have lots of fun. Uh, this is a different tour with a different bent, um, and we're going there with a different purpose. But um, we want to invite you, if that's something that you, uh, as we're still putting together details on all of that, um, go to our website, thejewishroad.com, uh, and scroll down a little bit, and you will see there's just a quick place for you to drop your email in. Uh, and it'll be under the, under the headline that says, I still want to go to Israel. Um, and you'll put your email there and uh, we'll stay in touch with you as these details emerge. Um, Josh Doyle, Tommy Doyle, thank you guys for coming and sharing your story. Thank you for uh, friendship in uh, the midst of all of this over the last uh, year. And uh, we're thankful for you guys. If, if people want to connect with what you're doing in your ministries, uh, how might they do that? Yeah, they can go to unchartedadventures.co or unchartedministries.com. And uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to be yeah. with you Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. And what we say, and we uh, this is our heart, and we know it's your heart as well, we say Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Yeah, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, especially today. Awesome. Thanks, Amen. guys. Shalom. 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 Shalom.